Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone, and welcome back to Culture Vulture. Schmiv, we've been do, okay. Do we use Schmiv, Schmivy on the I on this podcast? I don't know. It felt kind of wrong. Weird. Yeah. So it did. Liv's personal name. No. Personal <laughs> name. I think we've deviled, deviled, deviled. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! What a Liv's start. personal name. My personal name, <laughs> and I have deviled in Schmivy <laughs> throughout the last few years. <laughs> we call Liv Schmivy or. I don't know how many people do, but I definitely do. <laughs> Based off of we, Smivy, the collective, <laughs> off from when James Corden played Smivy and um, Gavin and Stacey. Oh, That's yeah. where it adapted from. So anyway, niche. irrelevant, really, really irrelevant. I was, all I was trying to say was like, good to be here for more than two weeks in a row. And well, you did this miss is... that it is your bona fide favorite. Oh pop my culture god! Podcast. I think you were going to say that it's my birthday. Oh. I was like, is it? <laughs> I swear it was last month, Dal. Um, it is your bona fide favourite pop culture podcast that Schmivy, with her personal name, is sitting here on. I love being referred to by my personal name. <laughs> nah, that felt weird. I don't know if I like that on this podcast. Schmiv. Yeah, maybe we'll save that for personal lives. Everyone, yeah. totally forget that you just heard a really intimate part of our lives. Literally. Liv, today we're talking about something that we've wanted to talk about for a few weeks. We have. Queer baiting. Queer baiting, very much followed by the Kit Connor kind of Twitter incident, which we will get into. Yeah. Basically what it is, what it isn't, and why it's being taken and weaponized just like a lot of other terms on the internet. But first, Liv, what describes your week? What describes my week loose? We were actually just talking about this, how we bring just like the shittest things this to this used conversation. This used to be something that we thought we'd be thinking about all week. Same. I oh. used to like write it down. I used to try and get like a cultural reference. Anyway, that's totally gone out the window, as has a lot of my clothes, because what describes my week is a huge clean out. I did. <laughs> okay, that is so shit. Like, I, I get it. So shit. It's really funny because mine's shit too. So shit. A huge clean out. A huge clean out. Nah, we had a pretty interesting weekend actually. I went and watched the Black Ferns um, yeah. live at Eden Park, which is the New Zealand women's rugby team. They were in the World Cup final and it was a fucking amazing match. Oh my, it was better than the latest All Blacks matches. I agree. Watching. That's exactly what I said, but then I was like, I think I just wasn't watching it properly. I don't know. No, but it's so interesting. Squish from the shit show, as yeah. you all know, he literally messaged our family group chat and was like, that's the best fucking game of rugby I've seen in a hot minute. It was literally like New Zealand versus England. One would score, the next would score, the next would score. It was just like, heck. There was a really amazing runaway try that wasn't even a try in the yeah. end. And like I was in a pub watching it and the pub erupted and then everyone was so fucked off and just the energy was so good. Oh, and they sold out um, the stadium, which was such a win for women's sport. Fuck and yeah. Yeah, just so fucking good. But yeah, apart from that. I was going to say, what does closet. that have to do with the closet cleaner? Well, my... Nothing. I'm trying to be like, I have a more interesting life than that. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, mine was, I mean, this isn't what describes my week, but what mm. describes my weekend is basically housekeeping. Like, oh, basically. I'm sorry, to, but it's the same yeah. thing. But that's not what I wrote down because oh, I was okay. like, I'm not going to do that to the podcast. <laughs> no, I thought I am going to do no. that to the podcast. But. Well, my one um, we've already talked about because it was girl power because yeah. we went and watched the Black Ferns. It was just the best energy. And then also, hate to be the person that does this, but. Liv and the Siska gals are working on like a really special project mm. at the moment that we don't know when it's going to be live. We've got a lot of work to do on it, but it's giving real girl power vibes when it you're like really is. young and you feel like you can do anything. But now we weirdly have this platform where we kind of can try and do anything. And so there's just real mana wahine, like, girl power vibes. That is, even with our website that we're making at the moment. Yeah. Are we allowed yes. to talk about that? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's just like, we had a meeting the other day and it was just all wahine. Yeah. It was and the best. It was amazing. We were actually, like, sitting in the boardroom and at the end of the meeting, because I was thinking about it the whole time, I literally had to say, um, how amazing is it that this whole project is being run by women and everyone there was like, and everything works so much smoother and feel everyone feels way more open to share their feedback and yeah. their, like, creative sort of ideas. Yeah, like, input. we have amazing guys that work in this office that we love working with, but there is just something about, oh. like, especially when it's something creative. I yeah. think that's really fun. A woman-led team. We love it. Um, speaking of, actually, this is um, – Really led quite nicely into what I want to talk about for my naughty or nice mm. live. And the reason I found out about this was because of your Culture Vulture newsletter. Oh. And it was something that I'd mentioned and I'd written about, but then I hadn't followed up. And it was Alanis Morissette pulling out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So I wrote about this quite a while ago because she was set to sing You're So Vain with Olivia Rodrigo. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge Alanis Morissette fan and a huge Olivia Rodrigo fan. And so when I wrote about it, I was like, holy fuck, can't wait to see this performance. And then fast forward, reading the Culture Vulture Newsy on a Saturday, and then I saw one of your final links was like um, her dropping out. I was like, what the fuck? How did I miss this? So Alanis Morissette dropped out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of – Basically sexism and she and disrespect. So she got to the point where her and Olivia Rodrigo had had their first rehearsal for this. So on a on a Friday night, the Friday before they were meant to perform it live, they had rehearsed You're So Vain. And then after that, we don't know entirely what went down for her to pull out and for her to put this on her Instagram story. But after that rehearsal... She was no longer going to do it. And here's what she wrote on her Instagram story. I've spent decades in an industry that is rife with an overarching anti-woman sentiment and have tolerated a lot of condescension and disrespectfulness, reduction, dismissiveness, contract breaching, unsupportiveness, exploitation and psychological violence and more throughout my career. I tolerated it because nothing would stop me from connecting with those who I cared about and resonated with. I love to serve and connect with people, and so over the years, I sucked it up on more occasions than I can count in order to do so. It's hard not to be affected in any industry around the world, but Hollywood has been notorious for its disrespect of the feminine in all of us. Thankfully, I'm at a point in my life where there is no need for me to spend time in an, envi in an environment that reduces women. And so, again, like, 
She doesn't allude to what went down. Mm. It's a very around about, like, this is happening in general statement. It is. Like, this is happening in the world. It's very much this industry, like, is yeah. taking a lot of the brunt of it. And she did say at the start that she adores all the women um, either being inducted into the Hall of Fame or performing or being um, or being addressed but she was just like, obviously something behind the scenes was not serving women. There was a little bit of chat and it was actually put in the Variety article that I read about this. Oh, okay. But again, they didn't confirm that this is what happened. In fact, I think they said this isn't likely to be the case at all, that um, rehearsals weren't going that well, like for Alanis in, like when she was practising with Olivia Rodrigo, which is kind of like... Yeah, it's it's pretty much sexist in itself, I think, that whole thing of like, oh, well, now nah, we'll just like disregard this entire thing that she's written that is so, so valid and there's so much evidence for to say that, oh, you're just like not that good of a singer. Yeah. Which is just what the industry wants you to do. And I don't think it's true because, well, I don't think it's true because you wouldn't go to this much effort to like pull out of something for a genuine reason. And just, if you, yeah, like, and if she wasn't feeling the performance or like Olivia wasn't or whatever, like, why, they wouldn't have created that whole spiel about, yeah, you know. No, I actually think we've already spent too much time yeah, on that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. like, me bringing it up, like, maybe not even the best idea, not the hottest take, but just interesting that I saw that floating around at the same time. Anyway, I think this is nice. I think for so. Alanis. Well, yeah. It's also naughty and the it sounds like it was a straw that broke the camel's back. Literally. Sort of she may have had like a conversation, a couple of conversations with men in the industry or whoever being misogynistic. Yeah. And then she was like, actually, nah, I'm yeah. fucking sick of this shit. And it must have been someone to do with the organization of this oh, event. Because must have been. you wouldn't turn down this event that was honoring a bunch of women. Like, if there wasn't someone there being like, why are you puppeteering this? Yeah, it must have felt wrong. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so kind of nice, kind of naughty. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But something that's definitely naughty is this whole conversation that the internet has taken and weaponized about queer baiting. Queer baiting and specifically about Kit Connor, which is really bringing to light a lot of the complexities of queer baiting on the internet. Mm. So for those of you who don't know, Kit Connor was one of the leads in Heartstopper, which was like our favourite TV show. It was so fucking good. And basically you should definitely watch it if you haven't. Oh, yeah. It's a... High school queer love story about two guys coming out and figuring out like their relationship, and it's super wholesome. It's not tragic. It's not tragic. It's just really nice. Um, And it was actually adapted from a graphic novel, which is really cool. So, what has happened is that Kit Connor has been accused of queer baiting by a lot of people on social media. And so, you might ask, what is queer baiting and where did it come from? Because it's kind of a term that started off as one thing and has now been morphed into something that's much less helpful. 
So queer baiting originated from fandoms in the 2010s. Well, that's when like the term came about. This was obviously happening before then as well. But it was basically when producers and people creating TV shows and other kind of art forms were playing on the lack of representation of the queer community and they were putting like a small amount of representation into these shows or whatever to hook queer audiences in to watch their shows. But in reality, the relationships on screen were never actualized um, or made sexually explicit. And so therefore they were trying to get like... They were baiting. They were baiting, exactly. They were trying to get heteronormative audiences to love the show, but they were also trying to get the queer community in as well, but only as like a side thought, yeah. if that makes sense. So it was like a strategy used with content creators, media people, producers, and this term started off as like a media literacy term to describe this, and it alluded to fictional characters. And the and like Liv said, like the actual baiting by these people strategizing at these companies or, or yeah, these so authors even... Literally for commercial gain, Yeah, right? for commercial gain. And so this then translated into celebrities, which is where the definition gets really complicated and where the conversation is extremely nuanced because there are some legitimate arguments that celebrities can queer bait in terms of like their marketing team trying to make a heteronormative celebrity relevant or more appealing to the queer community because they feel represented in the celebrity when they're not actually part of the queer community themselves. But then the whole conversation about labels and people being allowed to represent themselves in the way they want without having to explicitly say that they are part of the queer community. Or or, um, like prematurely have to make a statement about it because of the online criticism. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Liv, and I read a really good piece in Them, which is a queer online publication, And this is how they described it. As with terms like gaslighting, love bombing and gatekeeping, queer baiting was a once useful phrase that has become so overused that it's nearly lost any kind of coherent meaning. Queer baiting was once chiefly used to refer to fictional characters and applied to films, TV shows and other media that led audiences on to believe someone was queer. Today, it's increasingly being used to refer to real people – mostly celebrities, who look or act queer without explicitly explicitly saying or coming out. And then from another queer writer in Mashable, they said queer baiting is used to describe the actions of a writer, director or producer or those in entertainment marketing who give a character or storyline traits that appear to be promising of queer interactions with no payoff. So it doesn't actually eventuate into everything. But the internet has co-opted the term, given it this new meaning and um, put it on real people and and their personal lives and forcing people to come out when they aren't ready to. Yeah. And and I think it's, that's just an interesting conversation as to how we've changed the language almost completely for our benefit of cancel culture. Totally, totally. And I saw someone write about like how the intricacies of this unfolding online and how it can be really good in terms of like, you know, getting the word out there and getting lots of perspectives or whatever, but it can also just be so, so unhelpful in terms of we are just so obsessed with this judgment and this black and white thinking and this right and wrong way of being that it just is so unhelpful. As we always say, like 
not every conversation needs to have a total answer and the world's obsessed with things being correct or not correct and it's just not helpful in these circumstances. So the way I'm going to take this conversation is we're going to talk about what happened to Kit, right? So you guys know what happened. But before we analyze what happened to Kit, I'm going to go into a bit about queer baiting and understanding why queer baiting is valid, but then also how it can be harmful when there are false claims of queer baiting. So first off, back to Kit, he basically got forced to come out on Twitter because people were accusing him of queer baiting because they saw him holding hands with a female co-star for his new indie film. And so people were like, you're not gay. You shouldn't be playing a gay character. This is all for like commercial gain sort of thing, which just is really, really problematic. So then Kit took to Twitter and said, I'm bi. Congratulations for forcing an 18-year-old to out himself. I think some of you missed the point of the show. Bye. Mm. And before he actually took to Twitter, he went on a podcast called The Rain with Josh Smith, where he talked about the danger of speculating people's sexual orientation on social media. He said this, In the cast, we're all 18 and we have a few people in their early 20s and even with older members of the cast, we're all so young and to start speculating about our sexualities and maybe pressuring us to come out when we're maybe not ready. I feel like I'm perfectly confident and comfortable in my sexuality, but I don't feel the need to come out. I'm not too big on labels and things like that. I'm not massive about that and I don't feel the need to label myself, especially not publicly. And before he made the tweet about him coming out, he had made a previous tweet saying, Twitter is so funny, man. Apparently some people on here know my sexuality better than I do. And then in this podcast interview, he said that that tweet was slightly calling them out, you know, the people that were pushing him. And but I honestly found it a little bit funny how they just make assumptions. It's 2022. It feels a bit strange to make assumptions about a person's sexuality just based on hearing their voice or seeing their appearance. I feel like that's a very interesting, slightly problematic assumption to make. I feel like there's a real um, dichotomy here between the world wanting to accept people being extremely fluid and not having to put mm. themselves in a box. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as someone is fluid on main or flu- like in, in, Real life, we're like, no, you have to label yourself. Otherwise, I'm going to fucking bully you off Twitter. Like what happened to Kat? It's just like taking it way too far and creating problems where there doesn't need to be any. I mean, I did read an interesting article about erasing labels and how that can be hard for some people in the LGBTQI plus community. There's a quote from a professor of gender studies saying in some ways that it can feel like an erasure of their identities, of queer people's identities. People fought for the right to call themselves lesbian and gay. But this is really alluding to, again, the people who are producing and creating shows queer baiting to make money and they do this through saying that people can be fluid and they're not actually putting the respect into the fluidity and the queer representation of these people so they're kind of sidestepping the discrimination by using fluidity as a so that comment was directed at people in the industry that are actually doing the definition of queer baiting yeah because again it's not like a one size fits all like some people would yes you fought for those labels totally take them yeah but other people would be like i don't fit into one of them why should i have to say it 
for yeah. everyone before I even know. Absolutely. The biggest yeah. sentiment that I saw online, if we're going to talk about Twitter where this went down with mm. Kit, mm. was mostly scholars or people, Most everyone was in support of Kit, obviously, but yeah. it was mostly people saying, this is a term used for fiction. Yeah. This term can't actually be used for real people. So I think yeah. it was a whole, like, weaponization or, like, co-opting of this term, which which does give words new meanings often. Like, so now this is used, whether it's good or bad, this is used to describe celebrities that are ambiguous in who they are. But, the yeah, the main sentiment I saw was obviously like, this is fucked up. Why have we done this to an 18-year-old? And then also, do people not realise that this is a word used for fictional people, controlled by real world people? Totally. The, yeah, the my the main sentiment that is now happening online after he's been out on Twitter and after people have realised kind of how fucked up this is, is that false claims of queer baiting can be really harmful. And so it's not even necessarily like false accusations. It can just be like premature opinions before people have really critically thought about these things, which is what we always struggle with when we come to these. Like, or even an accusation, an accusation levied at the the celebrity or the person playing the character because it's actually, if you're talking about queer baiting, it's not about them, it's about the people. I think to make it clearer to us and to the listeners and whoever's trying to take something from what happened to Kit is that, like, maybe strategy is the most important part of this. Like, if there's a strategy to bait someone and to get something out of it at the other end, Mm -hmm. like money Mm -hmm. or tricking people into watching your show, like, if there's a strategy done by real people in the background, that is queer baiting. You are actively going in there to do it. For sure. Like, you have to, like, yeah, your team has to sit down and be like, right, how do we get these audiences up? Which is what people do. Like, we know that in this, like, in the media industry, people are obsessed with audience analytics, right? Mm -hmm. And they're always like to us oh how do we increase young people you know being mm-hmm. represented like it's young people reading exists. yeah it's baiting people to read the article yeah absolutely so like this is happening but yes it's to analyze people's marketing tactics yes. not to analyze people's personal lives yes and this can get really confusing sometimes because it can feel like they are intertwined say with Ariana Grande she has sung about songs about kissing girls and things like that And people are like, well, you're not part of the queer community, but who are we to tell her that she's not part of the queer community? So it is complicated when they could be queer baiting, but we can't tell them that they are queer baiting because that isn't giving them the respect they deserve as a human being in terms of figuring out their own sexual orientation. And it's like it goes – everything always goes back to the we feel like we're owed so much from celebrities. Like they don't owe us – telling us that but then Mm -hmm. if they're making heaps of money off of like if their teams or if their personal brand is so wrapped up with their individual Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. absolutely do they owe us that explanation yeah and it's really interesting with kit connor because the storyline of heartstopper is really authentic because it was written by alice ozzyman who is part of the queer community. She came out as asexual. And it was also directed by Yoros Lynn, who is married to a man. So the the writing and the directing is authentic to representing the queer community. It's just when people are outing an 18-year-old, it's just so 
so wild. Well, because they're not even talking about his character or anything. They are basically taking it from his character to then Kit Connor owes us to be the exact same as his character, even when Kit said he, like, wasn't fucking ready and people shouldn't be assuming. He was only 18. Yeah, for sure. There was a really good article in The Guardian written by a queer journalist called Patrick Lenton. Um, This is what he had to say about the whole situation. So he said, It perpetuates aggressive attitudes around performative queerness for straight audiences where certain types of identity are seen more valid or real than others. It also doesn't acknowledge the very real dangers that still exist for people who make the choice to publicly come out. So in the end, it all becomes just more content for us to measure, judge and consume. So, and then he goes on to talk about the right way and the wrong way of being queer and how binary attitudes have made their way into the queer community. And that's also not helpful that nobody's sexuality or gender identity needs to be offered up for other people's consumption, which is just so true. Like the whole thing about people are just using it as another chance to judge and measure people is just goes against what the show is about, goes against what the whole sentiment of this conversation is about. So other celebrity examples of false claims of queer baiting can be seen in like Billie Eilish's Lost Cause music yep. video. Oh, there was so much. There was so, so much, much hatred towards her for that. Yeah, a lot of Ariana Grande music and videos allude to her having relationships with women. She has always said, I don't want to talk about my <laughs> sexual identity, basically. <laughs> and then Rita Ora also released a song called Girls. Ta- have you seen about Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss? Yeah, yeah. That's been the latest one that I've seen so many people talking about. And that is something that hasn't even been born out of a fictional character or anything that is just straight up people putting their theories it's like Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson yeah it's like people putting their theories onto someone and then being mad when this person isn't rejects the theory rejects the theory yeah, yeah about their own life and they said well you've been queerbaiting us this whole time but it's based on a theory that like has the, been made up yeah which is just so complicated yeah, and with Rita Ora, she wrote a song called Girls and then she got accused of queer baiting and then she came out and was like, I've had relationships with women and men, I'm bisexual. And so that was another kind of example of people being pushed out to discuss their sexual identity when they don't want to. It's just, it's, it is hard because I can see for people who are out and in the queer community and they're proud to be who they are and they could kind of be like, why aren't these celebrities being able to be proud of who they are as well without having to just constantly allude to the fact that they may potentially be into girls or guys or whoever it is? I can see that that could be a really frustrating thing and you can see where this whole thing is born out of, but it doesn't help. You can't force someone to come out. And I actually get, because one person we haven't spoken about yet is Harry Styles, who's like basically the figurehead for this conversation Mm. whenever you type in an article you want to talk about it or read about it online. And I totally get when um, there's headlines that's like, Harry Styles breaking gender norms for wearing dress on magazine cover. And it's like, no, like men have done this before. People have been doing this. Queer people Mm -hmm. have been doing this. And because Harry Styles is the hugest fucking celebrity in the world, no wonder it makes headlines, no wonder it makes a splash. But I actually get 
why that hurts some people. Oh, absolutely. It but sucks because it's like, oh, it takes a potentially straight white male to come and do what people have been doing for so long and for it to become mainstream acceptable. Yeah, but then we also can't just stop anyone from identifying however no. they want in, in the world because it doesn't fit into the boxes that we want it to fit into or they yeah. haven't made a statement about who they are. And you can't blame one person for the systemic issues of society and use them as a scapegoat to hate on. Yeah. It's just so hard when there's such a history of oppression and so much pain and when these things are coming into mainstream and now kind of being more accepted or even used as commercial gain. I can see how that is just so, so hurtful and it can be so hard to be like, oh, well, this is how I was treated. Mm. Like, why is this now cool and trendy or whatever? Like, that's fucking difficult to wrap our heads mm. around. And then it's just kind of trying to figure out how we can move forward as a society in the best way possible with hurting the least amount of people and accusing people of queer baiting and pushing people to come out just can't help the entire no. conversation. Like, expecting everyone to be – everyone and – public to be out at like celebrities or whatever like no one owes us that no Mm -hmm. one owes us opening themselves up because of the internet's outrage Mm -hmm. like that concept in itself yeah and it goes along with fandom like is fucked up Mm -hmm. but then yeah when you when there's strategies in place to capitalize off of being as fluid as possible that is also a problem so basically the internet needs to chill the fuck out and we need to not force 18-year-olds to come out and just enjoy the the work they do and Heartstopper. Absolutely. Again, this is a conversation without a clear end, which is often the case on this podcast, and that's absolutely fine. Let us know what you think. It kind of um, comes down to the same thing that it always comes down to, and it's like be nice online. Yeah. Like, you don't know. We don't know. We don't know people's personal no. lives. We don't know their situations. We need to stop making assumptions. Basically. Yes. We should listen to that podcast by Kit Connor and yes. fucking not speculate, especially about 18-year-olds. Anyway, love, what's uh, what's on your radar this week, Dal? Um, what is on my radar this week is a TV show called Tell Me Lies. To be honest, I know nothing about it. Lucy's flatmate and our friend Flo recommended it to me last time I saw her. She said she thought I'd really like it. And I love it when people are like thinking about you and a recommendation. Yeah. It's really cute. So I'm going to watch that because I need a new TV show. Luce, what is on your radar? Have you finished White Lotus? I have. I'm watching it. Oh, okay. Because... Is when it you, all out? No, I don't. I don't know. It came out oh. weekly, but I haven't watched White Lotus, oh. and so when you said you're looking for a new TV show, in my head I was like, oh, maybe she's finished it. I need to go and watch season two of The White Lotus. Yeah, it's coming out weekly. Oh, okay. So I think there's like two episodes out. It is so fucking good so oh. far. Like I'm enjoying it more than the first season. Oh my god! I okay, think you'll love it. Okay, okay. It's also it's really hard when things come out weekly because I will not remember to go back to it. I'll need to set like a reminder or something to go back to it. Oh, honestly, I yeah. It's so oh, – oh, the tone is so good. I don't know how Mike White, like, gets this very specific energy in the show that I've never really seen before. Oh, it's because he was in School of Rock. Yeah, Anyone sorry. that was there with Ned Schneebly just gets it, honestly. <laughs> it's total gods. Team, thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this, like – 
shit show of a conversation. Yeah, this has been a shit show. Come and sign up to the Culture Vulture newsletter because I will absolutely put it in much better terms. These <laughs> conversations are hard to have, so thank you for sticking with us. Yes, and we shall see you next week. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.